find out what the last time prophecy in the Old Testament is talking about in reference to Elijah and last days and families on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey friends, welcome to Inverse. We have been covering 13 episodes, or 12 episodes, on the topic of families, and we are on the 13th week, the final week on this season. We've been covering on fathers, mothers, grandfathers, grandmothers, family fights, and all the answer to all of family's problems is Jesus. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 And we are on our last episode. <laughs> We're going to cover the last prophecy in the Old Testament found in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Uh, before we read scripture, though, we need to have a prayer. We're going to ask the Lord to bless us in the reading of his word. So, Jonathan, can you pray for us? Yeah, let's pray. Father... We come before you and we're so thankful for the Word of God. We thank you that you have taught us so many lessons in this past season. And one more time, we ask that you will send your Spirit to guide us into more truth, help us to understand your Word and to apply it in our lives. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Okay, Israel, let's go to Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. It says... Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. All right, Callie, what is going on? This is the last book of the, the Christian order of the Hebrew prophet, uh, Hebrew mm-hmm. Testament, Hebrew scriptures. And uh, this is kind of the last Bible verse before we get into Jesus coming out mm-hmm. in, in Matthew 1. What's going yeah. on? Yeah. So this is in chapter 4, it's talking about um, the, yeah, the great day of God. So mm-hmm. everything being wrapped up of Jesus coming back. And it ends with, I just, yeah, I find it interesting as, you, as we were reading it, like, this is where it ends. Mm-hmm. There's so many different, because there's so many things that will happen when Jesus comes back, and there's so many things that we have to look forward to and that we'll experience. But he ends with this idea of hearts being turned back. And it could have just said people who were enemies or people that didn't like each other or people who hadn't had their hearts, but fathers and their children will have their hearts turned back to them. So we have this picture of unity mm-hmm. in the family mm-hmm. when this comes to when this comes to place. Yeah, we've been talking about families for a, quite a long uh, couple months now. Yeah. And sometimes people think, eh, families, that's not really a heavy Bible study. But here we see a, it's not a time prophecy where a time is mentioned, but there is a timely element to this prophecy. Mm-hmm. And it's incorporated into family. So yeah. family ministry, family life, family health has a correlation to the last days, to the mm-hmm. second coming of Jesus. Th- uh, where's that? Where, how, how does that work, Kelly? Well, I'm not sure if I'm answering that question, <laughs> but <laughs> this idea that it's so foundational, mm-hmm. that a family is the smallest building block of relationships mm-hmm. that leads to communities, which leads to greater groups of people. So if we can have the fathers and the children's hearts turned back together, if we can have unity there, mm-hmm. then we can build greater unity upon that. But if you don't have unity at the smallest unit, mm-hmm. you can't have long-lasting unity anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, let's look at that verse a little bit more carefully. Verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Who is this Elijah the prophet? 
prophet? Is this a reincarnation? The old dude coming back to life? Is this a zombie prophet? What is going oh, wow. on? Jonathan. Well, Elijah never dies. So. Elijah's never died, okay? Yeah, well, a uh, <laughs> couple of things here. So, yes, that's, I'm going to clarify me. Yes. Rebuke me. Preach that it. straight. Set it straight. Elijah was an Old Testament prophet. And he was a very, very powerful prophet, had some crazy experiences, yes. some amazing experiences, amazing prayers answered, and uh, he actually had the privilege to go into heaven without seeing death. Mm-hmm. And here, hundreds of years later, we have this, so this prophecy. Is the, the chariot of fire. Chariot of fire. Not the Olympic song, but the There might have been a soundtrack as he was going up there, the angels singing something. The 80s band. Right. We don't know. We don't know. So he went up there. Um, but this is hundreds of years later. Now we have this prophecy, Elijah's coming. And then in the time of Jesus, people were like, is, you know, is Jesus Elijah? Is Jesus praying to Elijah? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's actually a reference. Jesus was actually clarifying that this prophecy is not talking about the actual Elijah coming, but there's elements of his ministry that will be seen again and again mm-hmm. in the time of Jesus and in the time of the end. Well, let's go to, keep your finger there in Malachi. Let's go to Luke chapter, I think it's 1. In verse something in mm-hmm. chapter 1. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse... Oh, man. We're looking for This is where preparation would actually have helped, huh? How can we help you? Okay, verse 14. Verse 14. Mm-hmm. Um, he will have joy and gladness. He will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, mm. even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Mm-hmm. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Mm-hmm. So in partial, this was, this was fulfilled by... Um, John the Baptist. What's his name? Yeah, John the Baptist. <laughs> That's his name. Yeah. And what, what was John the Baptist's ministry? Uh, how, what was the link between him and, and Elijah? Mm-hmm. Well, John... Did you want to go ahead? Is he all right? So John the Baptist, he was um, uh, the the guy who came. He was he was preparing um, the world in basically in in a small case in his sphere for the first coming of Jesus. Yes. So the first advent of Christ, uh, he was going before. He was preaching a message of repentance. Turn to God. You know, repent, be baptized. And he, he that, that word one, repent mm-hmm. is is a is a Christian word. It's, yes. a, it's a religious word. But what you're saying is it essentially means just turn, turn around, recalibrate, turn mm-hmm. around spiritually. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so he was giving that message, preparing the people for uh, the appearance of the Messiah. Some people thought he was the Messiah, but then it was no, no, no. He's like. I'm not worthy, you know, there's someone greater coming. Mm. And he was pointing towards him, and then he said, you know, I must decrease, he must increase. Mm. So his ministry is very powerful, and Malachi seems to indicate that before Jesus comes the second time, there will be a whole movement of Elijah, so to say, Mm. people in the spirit and power of Elijah, not only calling the world to repentance, but also uh, bringing unity uh, through the grace of God into yes. the families. Well, let's go back to Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. And where is that found, the second coming of Jesus there? Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 5, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Right. Uh, many people think that's one day, but we're finding that's actually two days. There is the great day of the Lord and the dreadful day of the Lord. <laughs> when Jesus came the first time, was it a great day? Yes. Mm. Was it a dreadful day? No. 
Well, when Jesus comes a second time, it will be a dreadful day for some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where that's another point. Elijah, the prophet. Who is that Elijah? That's uh, the question to ask. Uh, the mission statement is found in verse 6. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, hearts of the children to the fathers. Israel, what does that, turning the hearts, uh, mean? There's a dynamic here that is speaking about, obviously, the, the family dynamic, fathers yes. and children. It's a that's relationship right. between the families. When... And to me, what this is saying is that especially when it comes to the last days, when it comes just before the coming of Christ, there's going to be an emphasis on families. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a reference, and this is important for us to understand, that there's a reference here to Elijah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's important for us to go to the story of Elijah in yeah. just a yeah. little bit. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about the story of Elijah, there's actually references there to Elijah. He's referred as to Elijah the Tishbite from Gilead. So here is giving a reference to his family, right? Mm-hmm. Who he belongs to, where, where he comes from. Mm-hmm. And this dynamic of preparation coming from a, a lineage of people who have been faithful to God, he comes now with a message to a king, a message of what God's about to do. Mm-hmm. Then that message is also coming back again to the last days, this right. message of the family mm-hmm. unit. Once again, as Jesus is getting ready to come, there's a role that families are to play. And in order for these families to play the role that they are called to play, mm-hmm. they need to be united together and they need to be united in the word. And that's what we learned mm-hmm. from the story of Elijah. Well, I know. Let's go to First Kings chapter 16 and look at some of these. <laughs> Uh, narrative vignettes mm-hmm. of Elijah. First Kings chapter 16, yeah, verse 29. And we'll read from what we can, yeah? Okay. Chapter 16, verse 29. And Callie, can you read from 29 to 33? Mm-hmm. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab the son of Omri became king over Israel. And Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. Now Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And it came to pass, as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, Mm. that he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians. And he went and served Baal and and worshipped him. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Mm-hmm. Okay, now this is uh, this is setting up the text, yeah? Mm-hmm. This is a really now, intense Callie's freaking out because <laughs> Ahab did more to provoke the Lord like, that's than saying a all lot. the kings mm-hmm. of Israel before him. They were super wicked. And it's <laughs> as if, you know, we are, what chapter are we? We're in chapter 16. Mm. So we, it, it's a 16 chapter introduction mm-hmm. of the context just to show the context of where, yeah. where Elijah's coming in. Right. Yeah, this king, this king, this king, this king, this king, this king, this bad, he's bad, he's bad. He's bad. But then there was this guy, and yeah, this guy worse. was worse than all the all previous 15 chapters. <laughs> but we had to read the 15 chapters to establish yeah. how bad of a so guy you know what he that is. Meant. Yeah. yeah. So here's the emphasis on the family because it's a king it's you know it's a position that you receive yes. based on the family that you belong to and i don't know if you caught there so so many references to family the son of omri the son of omri mm-hmm. you know the king did worse than all the kings that were before him mm-hmm. and so you have here a history more than a history of a nation you have a history of a family mm-hmm. the family just gets progressively worse progressively worse progressively worse progressively worse mm-hmm. and this is the context of what is taking place then in within that context of the the decline of family 
family. Now you have the context of God's going to insert his own family in here. And you have chapter 17, verse 1. And Elisha the Tishbi of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these, these years. And so now you have here God is preparing, and this is critical for us to understand, the value of the family unit. That as evil is increasing, that as evil is dominating the world, God is at the very same time, through the family unit, preparing his response, his footnote, his addition to what is taking place in the evil around us. And so Elijah, Elijah sorry, has been prepared to stand before King Ahab in chapter 17. He's been prepared for this moment through his family, mm. right, through the inhabitants of Gilead. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, you know, this is how God is preparing to respond to the apostasy that we'll is taking place. We'll continue this narrative, but Jonathan, I want to ask you, what are the modern applications we can, we can make from the narrative we've, we've read thus far? Well, <clears throat> he's describing, uh, the author here is describing a, an extremely wicked and evil time. Yes. Um, and so it is increasingly wicked, as you pointed out yes. with the previous chapters. As we come to the close of time, Bible prophecy is making very clear that wickedness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. It will get really, really bad. Yes. And, and so in that context, you would think, you know, there is no one else left, there is no one out there. And even Elijah will make that proclamation like, oh, Lord, I'm the only one that's really faithful. But then it comes, uh, the reality is that there is someone, there is Elijah, and there is, as we find out later, you know, 7,000 others yeah. um, that are not giving in. Yeah, when we come back, we're going to look at this narrative and see what are the the modern applications, especially with King Ahab, Queen Mm -hmm. Jezebel, and the role of prophetic Elijah, especially in the last days. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, Join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Hey, welcome back. We are in the middle of the Old Testament. We've looked at the end of the Old Testament. Now we're going to go to the end of the New Testament. This is a short little Bible study that's going all over the Bible. It's, it's wrapping everything together. We're looking at 1 Kings chapter 16, 17-ish, around there. We're looking at evil King Ahab. We look at evil Queen Jezebel. We're looking at state power of king combining forces with a woman which in bible prophecy is an apostate religion mm-hmm. coming together and persecuting righteous prophet prophetic movement uh, people which is you know i mean uh, i mean there are there are revelation uh, applications going on Absolutely. here yeah? yeah and there's even 3.5 years of drought happening mm-hmm. and that's the number you find in revelation I mean, this is getting like super super exciting you know yeah. like this is a lot a lot of stuff going going on here. Um, So, and this is the context when it's the worst point in Israel's history. Pops up Elijah out of nowhere. And the modern application is in the worst point, worst worst point in Earth's history, there is to be a righteous people that comes out. And with especially with the family message, yeah. let's let's keep on moving. There's there's a book Kareth and Zarephath. Let's go actually go to Zarephath, um, chapter seventeen, verse seventeen. Mm-hmm. And he's living with the widow. Yes. Yeah. Um, just a side note. I just find this to be hilarious. God's yeah. humor. That uh, you know it, Jezebel's hometown is in chapter sixteen, verse thirty-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, her father Ethbal, king of the Sidonians. 
And as they're searching for for Elijah, Elijah he's yeah. hiding out in in Sidon, like he's in the basement <laughs> of, Her of, of, of of yeah. I mean, it's just that's the last place she would like. You know, he's living in Jezebel's room. Right. Right. <laughs> she's never going to come back here. Anyway, that's just me and my weird imagination. Oh, for verse seventeen, and Israel, can you read that for us? Verse seventeen to twenty-four. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to bring my sins to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms, and he carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and he laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, Have you also brought tragedy on this widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times, and he cried out to the Lord, and he said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Okay, verse 23, Callie? Oh, verse 22. Okay. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, what's going on in that story there? Yeah, that's a pretty pretty powerful story, and I think the principle of this story is applied to us today as, as the modern-day Elijah movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see here Elijah is hanging out in the basement of uh, <laughs> the cousin of uh, Jezebel, mm-hmm. or something like that, uh, holy imagination. But he's there in this heathen land where they do Baal worship, all this yeah. kind of stuff. And um, God led him there, and now he's, he's staying there in the situation with her son, the widow's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's dying, and Elijah says, you know, I, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for this, you know, heathen. I'm mm-hmm. going to pray for this kid. And he lays down, and, he, you know, he prays for him. The child is revived. Mm-hmm. He brings him back, and this miracle then leads to a, a turning of the heart of this widow to the true God, Yahweh, mm-hmm. the God of Israel. And so in the same way, um, we are called in these last days as God's faithful people to turn the hearts of those who do not believe or those who follow false con- concepts of religions or whatever it is they're following, turn the hearts to God by making ourselves available to be used by Him in a, in a miraculous way. You see a ministry of, of sort of Elijah kind of being a connector in yes. some way, a restorer. Mm-hmm. He's in the actual immediate family and he's connecting mom with son yes. again and trying to restore the family in a heathen land. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later on, you see in Mount Carmel, he's connecting God's people mm-hmm. with God the Father again. It's right. a connecting yeah. ministry that mm-hmm. he has. So, what's, you know, you have the connection between 1 Kings 17 and Revelation. You've talked a little bit about that already. Mm-hmm. So, what do we do in a situation where morality is decreasing? Mm-hmm. What do we do in a situation where morals have just gone out the window and, and there's an absence of morality? A lot, of, a lot of times we're tempted to think as Christians, man, we need to bring back God into our country. And so we need to legislate religious morality mm-hmm. through the state. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens here in 1 Kings 17, it tells us this does not work. You cannot legislate right. godliness. Yeah. And so then that ultimately, which according to Revelation will happen in an mm-hmm. effort to mm-hmm. legislate Christianity, we will have now the union of church and state. By so-called Christians themselves. By Christians yes. themselves, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is that this does not work. Like it doesn't work in 1 Kings 17. It won't work in the last days. So the question is, what does work? Mm-hmm. And so we have here a picture of what does work. God 
God tells us, look, when morality is decreasing, the way to impact morality is not through state legislation, but it's through the family unit. It is the family unit by impacting the most basic of societal groups, you impact the world. And so this is exactly what Elijah's doing. He's working the way that God would work. And so he meets here in a home, a home of a widow, single mother, who has a child. This child dies. She attributes the death of this child to her own sin, mm-hmm. right? And so she says, like, Elijah, you're here to bring my sin upon me. Mm-hmm. Notice what Elijah does. Elijah doesn't legislate morality. He doesn't say, man, we need to bring God back. And what Elijah does is he begins to live out his own religion. Mm-hmm. What religion is he living out? The religion that he himself developed in the wow. first part of chapter 17 mm-hmm. through his family. He's living that out. And so what ends up happening is that the living out of his religious experience of his what he grew up with ends up changing the trajectory of the life of this woman and her son. Mm-hmm. He's revived. He presents uh, her. He presents the son back to the mother, and the mother says something critical in verse twenty-four. Mm-hmm. It says, 24. "Now, mm-hmm. now, by this I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of God is in your mouth." Wow. In other words, she is saying That's the true. way the way that you have responded to me. The way that you have responded to my circumstance is an indication that you are really who you are, who, who you say you are. And so you go back to that point that Christians are only real Christians if they are Christians in the home. So Elijah has, you know, he stands before the people, right? Mm-hmm. He stands before God and the people on Mount Carmel. He stands before the king in early chapter 17. And all of these are, are experiences where he's showing his connection to God. This like, like, seems like three stages. Yeah. And, uh, we're almost, we can go back to different episodes we've done this season. Right. But in Mount uh, Brook Kareth, he's all alone mm-hmm. with yeah. God. Mm-hmm. And that stage needs to be developed. And he's with the crows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. There's, no, <laughs> and there's no human beings. Right. Right. We've talked talked about a whole episode yeah. on, on, on loneliness. loneliness. Mm-hmm. And then he's now in a family, kind of in a family, as close as he can get to be a family, a widow yeah. and his son. Yeah. And he's showing the fruits of his alone experience mm-hmm. now with his roommates in his mm-hmm. internal family. Yeah. Yeah. And only when he's a true Christian here can he get, go on top of the Mount Caramel. N- Mount Mount Carmel. Caramel. And now he's not, it's not a show. This, is, this is generally who he is because yeah. he's built up to that. Yep. Yeah? Um, let's go to his, uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 20, which shows you Mount Carmel. Uh, just the vignette there, not the whole chapter. Verse 20, chapter 18, verse 20. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left of the prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. And later on you see the whole test and mm-hmm. the fire that yeah. comes down. You see a natural progression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what is the modern day application of this application that we can implement in mm-hmm. our lives today? Mm-hmm. Well, I think there is uh, definitely encouragement. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think of, you know, when you hear prophet, you think of, you know, like, like Elijah, Mount Carmel, like the massive experience, all the people of Israel make a decision, raw fire. Uh, and I'm like, how do I fit into this in a prophetic movement? Um, but as Israel pointed out, you know, he was faithful in, in that family unit. He was ministering mm-hmm. from face to face with an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is 
very, very important for us to understand that in these last days, it is not just a massive preaching that's going to convert. It is the living out of my religion in my home circle, in my sphere of influence, with my neighbors, that's going to make a difference. They need to see Jesus in my life. Mm -hmm. It's not just television that's going to do it. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. It's not just the, the famous preacher. It is you and me living out Jesus to other people. In many ways, it's the most difficult stage. It's, mm -hmm. it's, yes, you're, it's you're, you're alone with God. It's me. You're in monk mode and you, right. you're, you're fasting <laughs> and you're hanging out with crows. Or you're now on national, international television and mm -hmm. you're calling fire from heaven. But at home where mom and dad and brother and sister right. see you every single day. Mm -hmm. That's real Christianity mm -hmm. when your kids see you in your grumpy days and you're not grumpy days and, and, and that, that's, that's, yeah. that's rough. Mm -hmm. That's rough. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's, that's only the grace yeah. of God can make those three experiences the same. Yeah. Israel. The message, the message of First Kings chapter 17 is that first of all, in these last days, the last day message is a message for families. Mm. Mm -hmm. What is that message for families? Hide yourself in Kareth. Be alone with God. Spend, allow the Word of God to come to you and for you to experience that. Now, that's not enough because many times, you know, we wake up in the morning, we're right. spending time with God. It's like, God, dude, I'm ready. Like, how come you're not taking me? Like, hey, dude. hey, what's happening? How come I'm not going up? And then you leave your room. You leave your room and then you interact with your kids and you interact with your spouse. And then it's like, oh, this is why I'm still here, right? When, when yeah. you face the difficult moments of crisis, yeah. you realize, man. Collective sigh yeah. out there, yeah. You realize, you realize when, you, when you reach moments of crisis in your life mm -hmm. that God is developing you through your family circle yeah. so that the message that you're proclaiming is a message first that you're living. Mm -hmm. The message of godliness in the home, right? Mm -hmm. After God has prepared you by spending time alone with Him, after God has molded you through your family, whether it's your own legitimate family, blood family, or whether it's the family that surrounds you, mm -hmm. then you are ready to stand on top of Mount Carmel where God can use you to win the world for him to stand as his witness right. in the middle of opposition where the persecution and persecution scenarios. Yes, mm -hmm. where where the world literally gathers after you and you're able to stand by faith and this is what revelation is pointing to that that's this right. will happen that's right mm -hmm. that's right that's right kelly I was thinking of just the level of being content in each of these three stages that we talked about. Mm -hmm. um, God called him to the Brook Cherith. God called him to Zarephath. God called him to Mount Carmel. He wasn't at the um, at the river and saying, like, man, I can't wait to, like, just totally blast those Baal prophets. I can't wait to do that. <laughs> he just, I'll be here until God tells me to go somewhere else. And I, it reminds me all the way back to our first episode about the rhythms of life mm -hmm. and just making sure that the big thing, and again, it sounds cliche, but just being close to Jesus mm -hmm. because he'll let us know when we need to go to a different stage when it, we do have to stand before many people right. or when we need to be alone. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. How many of you have been really blessed by not this episode, but the entire season? Some takeaways I'm getting is I need my family to be ready for the last days. Amen. And that cannot be done by anything that I do. It's got to be Jesus who is in the center of my home. So we want to encourage you. I don't know about if you've been listening to us for the last 13 weeks. I think it's pretty clear that we don't have perfect families. And a lot of times we're preaching to ourselves. We're kind of speaking out of agony that we want our families to be at right with God yeah. and have Jesus at the center of all that we do. We want to encourage you right now. Take some time in prayer and in, in study and dedicate your children, your parents, your siblings, yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Families are not an optional thing out there. It is core to the gospel message. That's our prayer. Hopefully that's yours. Thank you so much for joining us on this entire season. If you, have, if you missed a couple episodes, go back to our archives and listen to the entire season as a whole. Binge watch in Inverse. <laughs> You'll be blessed. Thanks for joining us.
We'll see you next season here in Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by The Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.